This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Good morning. Good morning, Relevant Life Church. You know, it's raining outside, and I'm saying, Holy Spirit, would you rain in here? How many are praying the same thing? God, we need some rain inside. You know, I, I, welcome to Oregon. I was talking to someone this week, and they're going, yeah, I struggle with the valley. I remember that 30-some years ago. I struggled with the valley, too. And then you just become rusty and, and don't even recognize it anymore. No, I don't know. Um, I, I, love, I love where I live. I love where I live. God's given me a love for where I live. I hope he's given you a love for where you live. Uh, today we have an opportunity, uh, a giving opportunity. You have it on your, on your chairs there in front of you. Uh, we are in the process of uh, replacing the speakers in the South, South Campus Auditorium. Uh, those speakers were used to us in 2009, so they were old when we got them. And uh, they have seen better days, and now we have one that is kaput. And so uh, how many know that church has to have speakers, right? Otherwise, you can't have loud music, and I like some loud music. No, uh, they're, they're, they're for us for a purpose. And so we need you to help participate with us, if you would. Um, we, we have bought them by faith. They're being installed. Uh, you're, if you're going to be over at that other campus, you're going to see them hung, but they're not uh, EQ'd and all that other sort of stuff. That kind of leads us to the next thing. That's why we will not be in... Uh, at South Campus next Sunday, both services, 9 and 11, will be here at East because of that very reason. Uh, it's going to take a while for um, all the EQing and all the different things that have to happen along with that. So just so you remember, no service over there next week. Uh, it's good. Both are going to be here. But we also need you to help us out if you would. This is an opportunity to a church that is very generous. If you would be, if you would figure out a way that you could reach into your pocket, we figured out that if... if uh, if 60 families were to give $100, we would be at the $6,000 goal, right? Simple. And uh, so we would ask that everyone would participate, not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. Uh, how many have loved the series, live, Love Where You Live? How many have been challenged by it? I, I've been challenged by it. Trent and I have been challenged by it. We've been challenged for the last nine months, and uh, we've been in preparation of it. And I just want to give you a heads up. Next Sunday, uh, if, you've, if, you've been, if you've felt the pinch on any service up to this point, next Sunday is the final one of our personal transformation, and it's probably going to pinch you the most. So I'm just giving you a forewarning. How many like pinches? How many like pinches from God? And you, and you get pinched by God. And how many always knows that, that when God does something in your life, he brings transformation? And so this message that we're going to come preach is not a message that we have just written. It's a message that we've written a while back. Um, so I'm just saying, come put your seatbelt on. Um, come hold your head high and receive the, the word of God into your spirit. I can guarantee it's going to pinch because as we're preparing it this week, it's pinching. Okay, it's pinching us who's going, to pre- who's going to present it, but we really feel that it's the Holy Spirit that wants to speak. How many, how many love it when the Holy Spirit speaks, right? So we just want to give you that opportunity, give you a heads up. That's, uh, Trent's going, what are you doing? You're going to talk him out of coming next Sunday. I know that what I'm doing is I'm challenging you, and you're going to make it to get here because you want to hear the Word of God. I know that you're a church that wants to grow. You're a church that desires to please God and honor Him, and so that's what really what it is, is come and, come and honor Him. This morning, we talked about first earlier on that this may be your first, first opportunity uh, to, to take communion, a first opportunity to sing that song, I Speak the Name of Jesus. Today, this may be your first opportunity to hear one of my favorite communicators. Uh, Maybe your first opportunity to hear, about a mission, to hear a missionary communicate or to even hear about this concept of Chi Alpha, and you're kind of going, what in the world is Chi Alpha? Uh, I love first opportunities. Did you know that God loves first opportunities? It's opportunities that God does to go, I want, to, I want to expose you to something new. And God's all about new things, making us new, right, challenging us in new ways. You're going to be given an opportunity at the end of this service, another first, to support a missionary. So I want you to be opening your hearts and your ears as you listen to the message this morning to go, God, what's the first for me? What is the first for me? What do I need to do? What do I need to step out and do? Today, as I said, two of my favorite people are present in the room. Uh, many of you are familiar with who Bethany and Zach Shelton are, and we can shout woohoo to them, right? Um, uh, they have been part of our staff. They've been part of our church since 2009. 
on staff for nine nine years, and uh, she was our youth pastor and did media for us and all sorts of stuff. She was a catalyst to where Relevant Life Church is today, and uh, she stepped out in in a form of intermission in her life just to go, God, where is all this happening? And I can tell you that Rhonda and I are some of her favorite, uh, biggest champions, biggest fans, but God is her champion. As I was thinking about this morning, we as earthly people, we can champion some of it. Can I tell you, God's your champion. God's your champion. Bethany, Zach, God is your champion. He's going to open a door that no man can shut. Would you give a warm family welcome to Beth and Zach this morning? Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Kevin and Rhonda. I was like, not, I was like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. And then, you know, you started to get emotional, and then there it goes. So thank you so much, first, Pastor Kevin and Rhonda, for having us here. Um, It's true, we came here in 2009, and they have forever been our pastors, our mentors, our cheerleaders. When we made this decision to transition into Chi Alpha, they were some of the first people we told. And they immediately were like, we want to have you share RLC. We want to support you. And that is a blessing. Not everybody gets a pastor like that. And I hope you all know the blessing we have in our pastors. Um, thank you, Pastor Kevin Arana, for being faithful. A lot of pastors have struggled, especially through COVID. And our pastors went through COVID and cancer at the same time. And they could have taken a step back, and they didn't, and they remained faithful and steadfast, and I want to thank you for that. We have gained in our life because of that, and so just thank you. I want to start with that. Yes. And then to the rest of the staff, we love you. Julie, who is the glue who keeps this church going, Trent and Allie, Jesse and Kendra, Sarah, the Sassers. We have known all of you since before you transitioned into ministry. And it's been such a blessing to watch you step into ministry. We have been blessed by your ministry. Our church is. We have a killer staff here at RLC. And so I just wanted to start by bragging on them. But um, before we get going, Zach is going to introduce us for those who don't know us, um, because we don't know all of you. And so he's going to tell a little bit about us, our story, and then also tell you a little bit about what Chi Alpha is, if you don't know what it is. All right. So, um, obviously, I'm Zach Shelton. I'm Bethany's husband. Um, We are Pacific Northwesterners through and through. We grew up in Washington. We moved down to Oregon. Um, 13, almost 14 years ago. Um, we've been married for almost 14 years. We also got married right before we moved down here and started ministry. So it's, uh, it's been quite the journey, but we love the Pacific Northwest. We love the rain. We're weird. You know, we love, I don't care. I love it hitting my bald head. It's awesome. So, um, so we just love it here and we feel like God has really been working in us. He called us down here originally for youth ministry. Um, Wow, I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> that wasn't the plan. Sorry. Um, we, uh, we just really feel called to youth and to young adults, and we have always felt that way. Um, God has burdened our hearts for many years now to be people that truly care and love and just build up this generation that's lost. And it's so easy for this generation to be lost in the world we have right now. And so we just been felt really passionate about that. So as Bethany and Pastor Kevin already said, um, we were hired as youth pastors here. Bethany was the the youth pastor for 10 years, um, did creative arts ministry. We were just right in the thick of it as we did South Campus and transitioned to East Campus, and we loved it. We were a a part of that and had just our hearts grew so much for the Lord and what he was doing in this state, in this community. And so um, at the same time, I was also um, got a job in the school district. Um, how many know the school district can be a dark, scary place? And so um, I've been doing that crazy enough. We were thinking about it. I've been doing it for over a decade now, which is crazy. Um, right now, I'm a, a special ed teacher at McNary High School, and I love it. Um, I feel like that has really been um, my call these last 13 years um, to tag team ministry, but also to do ministry in the schools and in in the secular world, in our marketplace ministry, where I'm just really reaching people right where they're at. And so um, 
that's kind of transitioned us where we obviously stepped out of ministry for a little bit. And we just really took a season of just praying and asking God, like, okay, God, what do you have for us next? What does this look like? Uh, we always knew we'd be back in ministry at some point, but we just didn't know what that would look like. And so God has really worked in us and opened up a door for Chi Alpha. Um, so some nuts and bolts about Chi Alpha. I won't go too deep into what it is, but um, for those that don't know what it is, it's an Assemblies of God um, college ministry. And so it's an interfaith ministry where we we are reaching people no matter what their background is, no matter what their religious affiliation is, it doesn't matter. We want all everybody to come to know Jesus. And so um, the focus is on college campuses, so the state um, and big universities across the state of Oregon. Uh, Bethany, Bethany's going to talk a little more about that, but um, the mission statement will pop up on the screen here just to kind of give you an idea of what the focus for Chi Alpha is, is to reconcile students to Christ, equipping them through spirit-filled communities of prayer, worship, fellowship, discipleship, and mission to transform the university the marketplace, and the world. And the last little bit is, I've read this dozens of times now, the last part that always sticks out to me is the mission to transform the universities. Our college campuses, you, everybody should know probably that the college campuses are scary sometimes. There's a dark place full of sin, full of things, and we have youth that are going off to these colleges lost. They don't know Jesus. They're seeking their identity. They don't know what they're doing. They're confused, and they're finding it in all the wrong places. And we want to be that vessel. We want to be the boots on the ground saying, okay, Jesus, use us. Use us to reach these young adults that don't know you. Let's be those people that help them find their identity in Jesus Christ. And that is such a powerful thing that we've just felt really called to do. Um, and some of the main points, the main strategies, and I'll go through them fairly quickly, uh, but there's three main strategies that Kyle uses. And the first one is uh, Christ-centered community. So we want to be people that develop a community of Jesus on those campuses. So using weekly gatherings and special events that really just connect people and draw them in and help them be a part of something other than the crazy college life. Um, the second thing is one-on-one -on -one discipleship. So small groups, mentoring and discipling young adults. So really having that face-to-face -face interaction, connecting with them, loving on them, praying with them, just building them up, being the face of Jesus for them because they've never seen Jesus or don't know anything about Jesus a lot of the time, and we want to be that. And lastly is empowering students into leadership. So we want to be that vessel. We're going to go and be on the campuses being community-centered, but at the same time, we want to raise up kids, young adults, that are going to be leaders right there on their campuses, doing the exact same thing we are to their campus. And at the same time, there's going to be other kids that are raised up even beyond. Kids that say, wait, we want to do what you're doing on other campuses. And so we have an internship that's going to start actually at OSU this September, where young adults can say, I want to be a missionary too. Send me. I want to go. And so we're really excited. There's just a lot of really awesome stuff. Kyle is just really growing tremendously, and we're really excited to be a part of that. And so um, I'm going to turn it over to Bethany because she's going to share a bit more about what's going on in the state, and then she also has a really awesome word of encouragement for you. So thank you. Um, so like Zach said, I'm going to share a little bit about what Chi Alpha looks like in Oregon. It's a national um, ministry, and so they're across the U.S., but every state looks a little bit different. So here in Oregon, a cool thing that God did is um, in 2019, the directors of Chi Alpha, Vic and Kathy Varis, retired. They had served faithfully our state for a long time, and a new director um, named Christian Anderson came in, and he came with a fresh vision and a fresh strategy. And how many of you know sometimes God does that. He stirs up freshness and does something new. And so Christian came with a three-part vision. And that first was to target seven strategic campuses across the state of Oregon. Um, we have seven different large state public universities. And our goal is to have a Chi Alpha missionary at every single one of those campuses. In addition to that, we want to have a ministry center at every single one of those campuses. And what that looks like is a house that provides Christian housing to students, but also is a center 
hub that has offices and training facilities for the interns and for the staff who work there. And so right now they have a ministry house at OSU, Oregon State University. And the goal is to get one of those at every single of those seven strategic campuses. And then finally, they have a strategy to reach community colleges through, and I love this part, partnering with local churches. So their goal is to find local churches next to community colleges and to partner those ministries together to effectively reach community colleges. And so that's the strategy for the state of Oregon. Um, currently, Chi Alpha is at three different campuses. So Chi Alpha exists at Oregon State University. It's at University of Oregon. And then coming soon is going to be launching Chi Alpha at Southern Oregon University, which we're really excited about. Um, and then in the future, the Four campuses that we're strategically praying over and targeting are Eastern Oregon University, Portland State University, um, OIT, Oregon Institute of Technology, and Klamath Falls, and then Western Oregon University. And so that's the strategy and the vision for our state, which we found out about and were so compelled to join. And that's what I want to share first is our story to Chi Alpha. So like our pastor shared, we were on staff here and we were serving and we felt God stirring us. And how many of you know that God does that sometimes? He stirs you and we felt stirred um, to shift our focus from teens to young adults. We were asked the question, if you could do any ministry, what would you do? And we were like, prayed, fasted, and the Lord was like, young adults. And so we felt really called to that. And we also felt like God was maybe preparing us for a move. And so we had been living in downtown Salem, loved it down there, um, and we just began to pray, though. Transition out of ministry, we're like, okay, God, what do you have in the sphere of young adults? What is this sense that we have to move? And in the middle of that, COVID happened. And how many of you know that COVID gave you a lot of time to pray and to see the face of the Lord? And so that's what we did. We would um, go for prayer drives because we would have date days and we couldn't go anywhere else. And we were tired of being at home. So we would go for drives. And we ended up almost every single time driving to Independence Monmouth and praying. And we just slowly felt like the Lord was growing this burden for that city. And we also started to build a heart for for the Western Oregon University campus. My husband got his master's degree from there. I had a lot of coworkers at the time who worked there and, or who went to school there and we started to grow in this heart. And so we began to pray and we felt like, we were like, we don't know why we feel called to Independence Monmouth. We don't know why we feel called to this campus, but we do feel called. So we just took the step of faith and moved there. And so in the middle of COVID, we decided to move to this new town. It's not far away, thank goodness. Um, and we moved there and we began to pray, God, would you guide us here? What is this stirring that you've been doing? Why are you putting on our heart to move to Independence Monmouth? What is this thing you're putting on our heart for Western Oregon University? And in the middle of that season, um, a little less than a year ago today, there was a guest missionary who came and spoke at RLC named Cassie, and she was a Chi Alpha missionary at University of Oregon. And in the middle of Cassie's message, she was sharing some of the vision for the state. And in the middle of that, she said, one of the campuses we're really praying that God would send us a team for is Western Oregon University. And we looked at each other. We were sitting in the back at South Campus. We began to weep, and we just knew. We are like, okay, Lord, that's it. And so we took Cassie out to lunch. A couple weeks later, we were meeting with state leadership. We gave them a tour of the campus, prayer walks the campus, and then signed up to become Assemblies of God U.S. missionaries. And then um, in October, I transitioned out of my job at West Elm High School, where I've worked the past year and a half, and began this journey as a Chi Alpha U.S. missionary. And so it's just been an awesome season um, of following the leading of the Lord and watching what he can do when we do that. And so um, right now we're in a season of support raising and building a prayer and financial support team. We're also trying to cast a vision for what we believe God has for Oregon Chi Alpha. Um, we're praying right now that God would send us to Western Oregon University, but how many of you know it's wise and beneficial to hold your plans like this with the Lord? So we know that right now we're praying for Western Oregon, but God can send us to any of the seven strategic campuses in our state. And so we're just doing that, staying open-handed before the 
Lord. And we want to invite you to be a part of our journey. And so um, we have a slide that has like all of our contact information. It has our phone number, our email, our social media accounts. Um, if you know me, you know that I love to get coffee with people. I prefer that or talking on the phone as my top forms of communication. Even my best friends can um, share that. And so if you want to hear more, if you want to get a cup of coffee, if you want to talk on the phone, if you want to just follow us on social media or sign up for our monthly newsletter, you can do all that today. We also have prayer cards that we can give you that have all this information. So if you forget, it's fine. We'll give you a prayer card. And then it also has information on there about how you can join our prayer and support team. So basically, we're just really excited about Chi Alpha, about what God is doing, and we feel like this sermon series, Love Where You Live, has really echoed the journey we've been on of moving to a new town, a new place, learning to love where we live in a new location. We love to Salem so much, um, and then really catching the vision, and so we've been excited as we've been going through this series with all of you, and today I'm excited to share what I hope is a message that encourages you and equips you as we all learn to love where we live. So today I'm going to talk about being kingdom builders. How can we be people who help build the kingdom of God? And we're going to be in one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Exodus, um, chapter three and four, looking at the story of Moses. Moses is my guy. He's like my favorite in the whole Bible. Um, and so I am preaching and I got to choose. So I chose Moses. So if you want to go to Exodus 3 and 4 in your Bibles, that'd be awesome. And while you're doing that, I'm just going to pray for our time together and for the word that the Lord has for us today. Our Father, we just come to you and thank you, first and foremost, for putting us in community and family. God, we're so grateful that we don't journey um, through life with only you. God, you're so good, you're so sufficient, but God, in your kindness, you've put us in community and we're grateful for that. Father, we are thankful today to have time to come together and to get encouraged and equipped by your word. Father, we pray that your word would be effective in our lives. Father, we come against every distraction, every worry, every hard place in our heart. God, we come against the enemy who would want to steal this word um, from us today. And we pray, God, would your word fall on good heart soil. Father, would it persevere in our life? Would we put it to action? And God, would it bear good fruit that ministers to people and brings glory to your name? And we just pray this together as a church family. And everybody said, amen. Okay, so when I was a little kid, I had a very active imagination. I had an invisible friend. Her name was Jamie. She was the best. Um, and I also grew up in the golden age of Disney. And so when I was in second grade, a wonderful movie came out called The Little Mermaid. Anybody remember when that movie came out? I was at a birthday party with my friend Tammy, and for her birthday party, we went and saw Little Mermaid in theaters. And it was like a benchmark moment in my life. I will never forget that movie. I will never forget being terrified the first time I saw Ursula. I mean, when you're a little kid, that is like a big animal creature villain to be faced with on a big screen, right? Imagine that. And so I remember falling in love with that movie, you know, in like five seconds, I memorized every word to every song. And I would play alone a lot as a kid with my invisible friend, Jamie. And I especially played alone a lot at recess. I was kind of a quirky kid, didn't have a ton of friends. And my favorite thing to do was to twirl on the bars. Um, some of you younger generation, you may not know that because you got like fancy toys, but our toys used to be just like metal bars. And they were like, go play on this bar. And so we would like, like twirl all the time and I would twirl and sing part of your world from the little mermaid and I would imagine that I was like a mermaid princess and that I had sisters who were awful and I was like the golden child which was not true for my real life but um you know in my imagination it was wonderful and I loved to play little mermaid at recess alone and I especially loved to twirl and then when I would come up from a twirl I would see that part of part of your world where in the movie she comes up on the 
rock and the waves splash. And in my brain, that was happening. And I was like, part of and it was wonderful. And I loved it. And I think all of us had moments like this where we were like, I am a prince. I am a princess. I am part of a magical kingdom. It is fairy tale land and it is wonderful and magical. How many of you can relate to that, right? Maybe not entirely, but some variation. Um, and the reality is it's because we are living in a world that has kingdoms. I know that might sound crazy and you are like, I do not live in a magical kingdom, but we live in a world that has actual kingdoms. The definition of kingdom is a place, physical or supernatural, where someone or something reigns. It's a territory or a person under the rule of a king or monarch. Each and every one of our lives are ruled and reigned by something, right? I think COVID taught a lot of us we're not in control, right? As much as I lie to myself and think I'm in control, I'm not. I'm not in control, we are all ruled and reigned by something. Sometimes it's ourselves, right, and our desires. Sometimes it's other people. Sometimes our circumstances rule and reign in our lives. Sometimes it's society and culture and their norms and expectations. But we are all impacted, influenced, ruled, and reigned by something. We all exist in kingdoms. In addition to that, we all contribute to a kingdom, right? We all have an impact and an influence with our life, whether that's intentional or not. A lot of us think like, oh, my life's not making an impact. It doesn't influence anyone. Everything you do, every decision you make, every moment of your life, you are having an impact and an influence on the world around you. And so we exist in kingdoms and we also contribute and to make an impact and have an influence on the kingdoms around us. And as Christians, as Jesus followers, we're invited to be part of the kingdom of God right? To be part of his kingdom. He is the one who's supposed to rule and reign in our lives. And his kingdom is where we have been invited out of God's kindness, out of his love to make a contribution, right? To have an impact, to make an influence, which is so awesome of God. Because how many of you know, he's big and he got us on his own. It's not like he's like, man, I really hope Bethany steps up because if she doesn't, like, I just don't know what we're going to do. Like, you know what I mean? He's big. He can do it on his own. But he's like, know what? I really like Bethany and Zach. And I really want them to be a part of my big story and what I'm doing. And I'm going to invite them in my love and in my kindness to join in on this. And so we see that all throughout scripture. From the very beginning in Genesis 1, right? The very start of the Bible. Verse 27, it says, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then it says that God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God created the world. And then he said, I want you to contribute to it. I want you to help govern it. I want you to help rule and reign in my kingdom, Right? And then we flash forward all the way to the New Testament and Jesus is on the scene and he is about to leave, ascend to heaven and he gives us one final instruction. And we find that in Matthew 28. A lot of us know it's the great commission. And this is what Jesus says. He said, I have been given all the authority in heaven and on earth. So therefore go make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus extends the same invitation. He's saying, hey, I want to invite you into my kingdom work. I want you to go and to reach people who are in darkness and bring them into light. I want you to help disciple people and aid in their spiritual formation and help people as they are apprentices and disciples of Jesus. We are part of the kingdom of God, and we've been invited to help build the kingdom of God. It's such a blessing. It's such an honor, and it also can feel overwhelming. How many of you, when you hear God has invited you to build the kingdom of God, you're like, I feel disqualified. I feel like I have no idea how to contribute to the kingdom of God. I don't know how to build a kingdom of God or what that looks like for me practically on a Monday morning, right? Today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at the life of Moses, and he's going to teach us, hey, here's some tips on how to build the kingdom of God. Some background to the story of Moses, if you're unfamiliar, is Moses was an Israelite, born when Israel was in captivity and bondage and slavery to Egypt. 
They had been in captivity and slavery for hundreds of years, and they are growing in numbers so much, the Israelites are, that the king and the pharaoh of Egypt is like, we got to take them out. Like, they're going to get too big a number that they could come against us, overtake us. So he comes up with a plan, the pharaoh does, to kill all of the baby boys of the Israelite nation to help with population control. And so in that moment, Moses is a baby boy, and his mom decides to hide her child. And she creates a little boat out of a basket and some tar, and she puts Moses in it, and she hides it in the river. And God, in his miraculous plan, has Moses be discovered by Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter is like the one person, right, who will have the compassionate heart, but also the position of power to save this baby's life. And that's exactly what God does. He delivers the life of Moses through Pharaoh's daughter. And Moses is raised as a prince of Egypt, but as an Israelite. And so that happens. Moses is raised. He knows that he's an Israelite. He knows his people are in captivity. He has a burden on his heart for people to be delivered for their slavery and suffering to end. And he does it on his own terms, right? One day he sees this Israelite is being beaten by an Egyptian. And so he goes, he gets in a tussle. He ends up murdering the Egyptian slave driver, which is illegal, right? Like it is today. And so he is discovered. He's found out the Pharaoh is after him. And so Moses flees and he hides in the desert. And that is where we find him when we pick up in Exodus 3. It's 40 years later. Moses is a shepherd in Midian. He's been married. He has a couple kids and he is just living his normal everyday ordinary life as a shepherd when we come upon him in Exodus 3. And this is what um, the story says. The angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So Moses looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him um, to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. I love this story because it's just an ordinary day for Moses, right? He's just like living his life, being a shepherd, taking care of the sheep. And he notices a bush that's on fire. How many of you know when you live in the desert, a bush on fire is not like new? right? My sister lives in the desert in um, West Texas, and they have like had to move a herd of cattle because brush fire came up in the desert. It's not a scenario that I have ever experienced myself, right? Um, It's not firsthand for me, but it happens in the desert. And so that's not out of the ordinary. But what is weird is that the bush is on fire, but it's like fine. It's still thriving and growing. It's not being consumed by the fire. And so Moses, he probably is like me, has a little bit ADHD, loves shiny things. He sees this bush and he's like, hmm, that's curious. It's not being consumed. And the scripture says that he turns to go see. And if we want to be kingdom builders, we need to be people who are willing to turn and see. We need to be people who are willing to turn and see. Moses notices something out of the corner of his eye. And he, in that moment, has a divine curiosity, a spiritual sensitivity that says, hey, I take notice of things that are a little bit out of the ordinary. And I not only notice that, but I'm available and and interruptible to shift from what I'm doing to go and inspect further. And in addition to that, it's a divine curiosity that God uses. Because what I love about this is God's response to Moses as he turns to go see. In this story, it says that Moses says, hey, I'm going to go turn and see what is happening. And that in response to his divine curiosity and availability, the Lord calls out to him. Now, a lot of us are saying, God, I'm available and I'm just waiting for you to call out to me. I'm just waiting for you to tell me, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to contribute to the kingdom. And the whole time the Lord is saying, I have set up a burning bush and I am waiting for you to turn and see. I'm waiting for you to display some divine curiosity. I'm waiting for you to be available and interruptible and to investigate further. And when you do, I will call out to you. 
And that is what we see in this story with Moses is that he turns and see, and then God comes and God speaks to him and says, Moses, my people have been in bondage. Moses, I choose you to be the one to go and deliver them out of slavery. And God invites him into this kingdom work. But it only happens because Moses turns and sees. And I've experienced this firsthand in my life. Um, for several years, I worked at West, or for a year and a half, I worked at West Salem High School. And when I first got my job there, they were in the middle of a giant bond work construction thing. And so they had very few office spaces. So when I started, they were shifting people around and they put me in a staff resource room office space. And what that means is it's like a room that has like coffee machine, kitchen, bathroom, a whole bunch of desks. And it was on the opposite end of the building that I worked. It was with all men who had worked at the school for like 15 plus years. And the desk that they gave to me was piled to the top of the cubicle wall of junk. And they're like, this is your space. And here's the bathroom and the coffee machine and enjoy. And I remember being like, this is not what I thought was going to be my work situation when I took this job. Has anybody ever had that happen? We're like, this isn't what I expected. So I remember like kind of grumbling and I'm complaining. I'm cleaning off the whole desk and I'm working through my day. And, you know, every five minutes, teachers are coming in to make copies, to use the bathroom during the lunch break. And I'm like, how am I going to get work done with all these interruptions? Well, one day, a coworker came in to use the bathroom and come to find out she had been somebody who was paralyzed from the waist down a couple years ago in a sledding accident with her family. And she was very emotional, and I began to have a conversation with her. And the Lord gave me an opportunity to minister to her. And I have work to do. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? I had stuff going on. But that was a moment where I saw a burning bush, and I was like, my desk being in this weird office next to the toilet and the coffee machine may not be a burden. This might be a burning bush that the Lord has created, and he's asking me to turn and see. And that became one of my favorite parts of my job because I got to know everybody at that school because everybody has to use the bathroom and make copies when you work at a school, right? And God's like, I'm going to put your desk right by that. So all day people are coming in. And so people I would never have worked with, never would have met, I got to know. And I got to meet them. And they're waiting in line for the bathroom. They're waiting for their food to heat up in the microwave. They're waiting for their 400 copies to print. And chatty Kathy Bethany is like, tell me about yourself. What's your story? I want to hear about your life. And God used that. And it all happened because I'm saying, hey, can I turn and see this burning bush? And as I did, the Lord's like, okay, let me invite you into the plan that I have working here. So if we want to build a kingdom, that's what we do. We turn and see. Next we see in Exodus 4, 1 through 5, that Moses has said, okay, God, but I got a lot of questions about this. I'm really insecure. I'm worried. What am I going to say? What if people don't believe me? And he protests. And it says that um, the Lord answered him and said, hey, what is that in your hand? And Moses said, it's a shepherd's staff. And God said to him, throw it down on the ground. And so Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. And Moses reached out, grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. And God said, perform this sign and they will believe you. So Moses turns and sees. God invites him into this thing. But then he's like, what do I do now? I have so much doubt. I have so many questions, right? And the Lord says, I want you to use what's in your hand. And so many of us think this. I don't have anything to give. I have nothing to contribute. I don't have fancy gifts. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm an accountant. I'm an electrician. I'm a barista. What can I give? And the Lord says this, I want to use what's in your hands. I want to take what is in your hand and I want to use that. I want to take this ordinary basic thing and use it for an extraordinary purpose to build my kingdom. And that's what he does. He takes Moses' very ordinary basic shepherd staff and he uses that and transforms it into a snake. He takes that staff and he uses it to turn water into blood. He takes that staff and it parts the Red Sea in half. It brings victory over um, armies in battle. It brings water out of a rock. And again and again and again, God took this very basic, ordinary thing in Moses' hand and use it to build his kingdom. And we see this throughout scripture. It's one of my favorite biblical principles. We see God use a widow who only had a jug of oil. We see God come and use a boy who only has a little bit of fish and bread. 
We see Jesus take Mary's jar of perfume and use it to anoint him before his passing. And time and time and time again, God takes just ordinary things that people have in their hands. And he says, if you will turn and see, and if you will let me use what is in your hand, I will use you to build the kingdom of God. And that's what we see in the story of Moses. At the end of um, all of this questioning with the Lord, Moses goes, he goes to Egypt, he talks to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is stubborn, hard-hearted. He's like, no, God does all these incredible miracles. And we read in Exodus 12 that the people of Israel who lived in Egypt for 430 years, and on the last day of the 430th year, it's not just like God, to the day, the Lord forces leave the land and Israel goes free. And it says, on this night, the Lord kept his promises to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. So this night belongs to God, and it must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. God saw Moses. He invites him into his plan. Moses responds by turning in and seeing. He's like, okay, God, you can use what's in my hand. And then what does God do? He does all the heavy lifting. God does all the work. God does miracle after miracle after miracle. And a generation of people who've been in bondage for hundreds of years find freedom and are liberated. And God gets all the glory. I love that scripture says this. This night belonged to the Lord. And we so many times panic. We're like, well, I'm so insufficient. How am I going to do all of this? We're like Moses and we ask the questions. And God says, if you will turn and see, if you will use what is in your hand, I'm going to do the great and mighty work. And I'm going to do the impossible and the heavy lifting. And I'm going to get all the glory. And how many are grateful? I'm like, I don't want the glory. With glory comes responsibility, right? If people can give me the glory, they can also blame me. But if it's God, right? If it's God, there's nothing that can be said. And so today, I want to end with just this invitation. Will you be somebody who says, God, I want to be part of building your kingdom? I'm going to accept that invitation to build the kingdom of God. And when you wake up tomorrow morning and you make breakfast for your kids, or you head off to the bank that you're a teller at, or you go onto the construction field, can you say, God, help me to see the burning bushes? And I commit that I will turn and I will see. I will have divine curiosity. I will investigate and be interruptible. And God, I'm going to let you use whatever I have in my hand. Whatever gift, whatever talent, whatever ability, I'm just going to give it to you. And God, I'm going to trust that you're going to do the work. You're going to do the heavy lifting. And God, I'm going to give you all the glory and honor as you set people free from bondage. As we head out into Chi Alpha and as we step foot out, oh shoot, that's our goal. God, as I'm in a cafeteria, as I'm in a hallway, as I'm at the Wook on Woo's campus, in the library, will you help me to turn and see? See that student, see that young adult, see that person, and God, whatever I have in my hand. If I'm chatty, if I love coffee, if I have a home, if I can take them out to lunch because they're a college student and they have no money, whatever I have in my hand, God, I'm going to use that for your good and glory. And God, I'm going to trust that you're going to do all the heavy lifting. And in the end, I'm believing that, God, you're going to set people free. And so I just want to pray for you, and then um, we'll wrap it up from there. So would you just bow your heads with me this morning? Father, we're so grateful that you give us an invitation to be part of your kingdom. God, that in all of our insufficiencies, you see us and you say, hey, I think you have something to contribute. I think you have a role you can play. And God, we're so grateful. It's out of your kindness and out of your love that you invite us to come and to be a part of your kingdom building. And so God, I pray over every person here and God, I pray that they would have the faith to see themselves like you see them. And God, that they would say yes to that invitation to build your kingdom. God, that as they love where they live, God, they would begin to say, yes, I'm gonna build the kingdom right where I live in my home, on my street, in my workplace. And God, as that happens, I pray that they would have the faith and the availability and the divine curiosity to turn and see. God, that they would notice those small moments. They would notice those burning bushes. And when that happens, God, that they would turn and they would see you at work. 
And God, that you would respond and you would say, hey, I have a plan for you. I want you to come and partner with me. And God, we pray that as that happens, that people would just have everything in their hands open-handed and they would say, God, would you use this? And God, you would take our ordinary, our natural, our boring, our mundane, our hobbies, our likes, our gifts, our homes. God, you would take everything we have and you would use it to build your kingdom. And God, we ask that at the end of the day, we would get to watch a generation of people come to you. God, we would get to watch people who are in bondage be set free. God, we would get to watch people who are in the darkness come to light. God, what an honor to get to be part of somebody's salvation story, to get to be part of somebody turning toward you and discovering you for the first time. God, would that happen for each individual in this room as they say, I'm gonna build the kingdom of God where I live and I'm gonna turn and see and I'm gonna use what's in my hand. God, would you bless each one God, would you give them practical moments this week where they can apply this? And God, as they do, would they watch it work? And would good fruit come from it? God, we ask this in Jesus' name, the name above all names. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give her a round of applause this morning. I adore you. I love this couple. I love this woman. Uh, I, I trust that you can sense the anointing of God upon her life. Uh, what an amazing communicator. And God is making a way where there seems to be no way at times. I love Romans chapter 10. It says, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? Today we have such an amazing privilege to serve God, but to also send someone to a place that we really don't want to go. I don't know about you, but I think I, I love young adults. But stepping onto a college campus at my age does not really thrill me. Anybody out there want to sign up for Chi Alpha? But we have an opportunity to send someone that God has called and spoken to directly and created opportunities and avenues for them to do so. I would like for you to do something for me today, and I don't want this to come across in any way manipulative, but if you have a wallet or something that represents money, would you take it out and hold it in your hand? Maybe it's a coin, maybe it's a dollar bill, whatever it is, would you take it out and would you just hold it in your hand this morning? Beth, you always challenge me. I love your creativity. I love the anointing on your life. What an amazing message this morning. And today what I would like you to do is I'd like you to turn and see. I'd like you to turn and see a burning bush opportunity right now for you to participate in. And the Holy Spirit saying, what do you have in your hand? Come on, put it up there. What do you have in your hand? Today, we have a responsibility, not for Bethany to get the glory. As she said, with glory comes responsibility. We want God to receive the glory. And wow, when God receives the glory, can you imagine the outcome of people's lives? So today, as we look, let's not just look and go, oh, there's a burning bush. Wow, how cool. Let's listen to the voice of God and say, okay, God, that's in my hand. Today's an opportunity on our screen. I believe it's going to be up there. There's every opportunity that you can see and how to do. You can do it on our church app. You can do the little uh, QR code, and there's actually a pledge place there. Two things that we're asking of you today. Number one is we want to give an offering. So if that's you today and you want to give an offering, a one-time offering, you can either do it to the green box back there. You can do it on all these sites that are here, as well as we appreciate the offering. But can I tell you the longevity of Bethany's ministry and her effectiveness is going to be your monthly pledge. That's what's going to empower her to continue to do what she needs to do. And can I tell you that it's not just a splash in the, it's not just a burning bush that's there. It's a long time of longevity that's burning. And so we want to invite you into the mission of God. What an opportunity, whether it's OSU, whether it's Western, whether it's some far-reaching college, university in the state of Oregon, how many know that it's a mission field that people need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
And today you've been presented with an opportunity and the Holy Spirit's saying, what do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? I would love to invite all of you to participate in one way or another. Today may be your first. I always love first. I love, I love missionaries and I love first time givers to missionaries because your life changes so dramatically. And today I, I wanna encourage you, would you just give to the offering? And can I also tell you how transforming it is for you to begin to sponsor a missionary, to give to a missionary month after month after month? It doesn't just change their life and impact them. I guarantee your life will be impacted by it. And that can be $5, that can be $50, that can be $500. Can I tell you today, I said, Bethany, I want to be your first service because I believe in you. Can I tell you that I even believe so big? The Relevant Life Church could raise her budget. How many want to be part of a story? God's story. God, today we thank you. God, that you use broken people, that you use humanity, and God, that we just have, I love this, that we have to turn and see. We've got to give, give opportunity to divine curiosity. God, today would you stir our curiosity today in the name of Jesus. God, today we come and we say, God, what is in my hand, I give it. What is in my hand, I use it. God, today we pray, God, for open doors that no man can shut. This couple is anointed. They are used of you. God, I pray for boldness. I pray for, for uh, favor, God, on every campus that they step onto. God, I pray that you would protect them, that you would guard them, that you would hover over them. God, that you would use them, that you would fill their mouth, God, with, with words. God, at every opportunity, create opportunities for relationships in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray for every penny provided for. God, even today, would you, would you let us be the conduit? God, not that we receive any glory, but that you receive all the glory. Let us be a conduit that this passes through. God, to, to support a couple that we so believe in. And God, I thank you today. What an opportunity. God, we pray for every college campus. Come on, let's lift it up today. God, we pray for every college campus, every student that does not know you, every faculty member that does not know you. God, I come against a spirit of confusion in the name of Jesus that has confused this generation. God, I come against a spirit of spirituality in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that the name of Jesus Christ would be elevated. And God, they would recognize it, that they would see the burning bush themselves in the name of Jesus. And God, what an opportunity we have today. We thank you, we bless you, we honor you. And God, we, we, we are so privileged to be part of your story. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Our prayer team is coming right now and they would love to pray for you. If you have a need, would you just let them lift you up, lift your cares up? Anyway, we plan on seeing you next Sunday. Join us. Don't, don't, don't forget about it. Don't forget about young adults on Wednesday night too. We got a great young adults group going on and we'll hope to see you at the next event. God bless. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.